ready to rise above loud, angry headlines, longing for an alternative to the world's fighting and fear-mongering? Christianity Today magazine offers a trustworthy, faithful perspective on stories that matter to you, from the church next door to movements and ministries all around the world. Subscribe to CT for full access to in-depth reporting, insightful commentary, and redemptive storytelling, both online and in print. A subscription to CT also includes seasonal devotionals, special issues, and exclusive content. Visit orderct.com today or click the link in the show notes to get started and join a growing community of thoughtful evangelical Christians who value different news that makes a difference. That's orderct.com to subscribe today. Hello, I'm Russell Moore, and you're listening to Signposts. The year in which this is being recorded, 2017, is the 500th anniversary of the Protestant Reformation, 500 years since Martin Luther tacked those 95 theses up to the door in Wittenberg, Germany. And so this year means there's going to be a lot of discussion taking place around the world about the distinctives of the Protestant Reformation. And one of those distinctives is going to be something that's traditionally called sola scriptura, uh, meaning the Bible alone. And the question that, that many people have is, is that really a workable doctrine to say that the Bible alone is our ultimate authority, especially when we're dealing with situations where there are so many things uh, that the Bible doesn't speak to. And especially when we're thinking about uh, cultural and, and moral and ethical sorts of decisions that we have to make in our lives. I had uh, a couple who came to me and they had had in vitro fertilization and had uh, fertilized many, many, many embryos and didn't know what to do about the fact that they believe life begins at conception, and yet they have uh, these conceived uh, persons uh, frozen, and they don't know what to do. And they would say, well, the Bible doesn't speak to in vitro fertilization uh, at all. There's, there's, there's nothing there. Um, I met another person, a doctor, uh, not long ago, who was, was working in transitioning transgender people from one perceived sex to the other. And this doctor uh, said, well, I've never even really thought about the fact that this, might be, uh, that this might be ethically problematic because the Bible doesn't say anything about transgender hormone treatment and, and surgery. And of course, they're right that the Bible doesn't speak directly uh, in terms of you can't do a search on your, on your, your Bible app and find in vitro or transgender. That's, of course, true. So how can we then say that the Bible alone is sufficient to be our ultimate authority? Well, one of the reasons that we're able to say that is because we don't mean by that what a caricature of sola scriptura would mean. It's confusing to some people when we use that word sola, we use that word alone, because sometimes they assume that what we mean is that the Bible is our only authority. 
Well, that's just that's just not true. The Bible itself does not teach that. The Bible teaches us that we have many authorities. We have uh, we have those uh, in in authority over us within the church. So we're told to to give honor and and obedience to our leaders within the church in Hebrews 13. Uh, We have those in authority over us in the governing powers within the state. So office holders and and police officers and and, and those sorts of of public offices that the scripture tells us in Romans 13 and in uh, 1 Peter 2, that we're to give honor and obedience to them. They're authorities over us. Children are to obey the authority of their parents, Ephesians chapter 6, and and in the the Ten Commandments. There are are all sorts of authorities that we have in our lives, and the the Bible speaks of those. The Bible also speaks about uh, things that we know uh, that, that we don't know because of the Bible. So Isaiah, for instance, can talk about farming and can say, that the act of farming, the way that, that people grow uh, food, that, that these things are from the Lord. Well, how do you learn about them? It's not at Vacation Bible School, necessarily. You, you, you learn about how it is to till this piece of ground. You learn about how it is to husband this particular kind of animal, whatever it is that you're, you're working with. Well, you, you learn it observationally by what's going on in the world around you, and you learn it uh, on the basis of the, the skills that you have and the intuitions that you have as a, a human being. Well, that's from the Lord. We don't have any revelation, whether it's general revelation given to all people or accessible to all people everywhere, or special revelation, what's given to us directly from God in a uh, targeted way toward the people of God. All of that's from the Lord. We, apart, from, apart from God's self-disclosure about himself or about the universe, we would know nothing. But uh, the Bible teaches us that there's a revelation of God in the creation around us, Romans 1, and there's a revelation of God uh, within our consciences, within human nature, uh, uh, Romans chapter 2. We also know, uh, even in the Bible itself, that there are things that we learn by observation, not by special revelation. So when Proverbs says that uh, someone who meddles in someone else's quarrel is like someone who takes a strange dog by the ears on, on the road. Well, the Proverbs don't have to then say to you, don't grab a dog by the ears. The, the implication here is, you know that. And how do you know that? Because you know what dogs are like. And, and you, know, you, you know enough to know that bad things can potentially happen if you walk up to a dog that you don't know and grab it by the ears. Jesus says um, that fathers know not to give their children a snake when the children ask for fish. They, they know not to give a stone when the children ask for, for bread. Well, how do they know that? It's, it's not because they've memorized Bible verses that, that say not to do that. They, they do that because that's out of the created nature of what it means to be a parent, to want the best for your children and to know you can't digest stone. Children, if I want to feed them, they can digest bread. They can't digest stone. Fish is safe for my child. Live snake, probably not safe. For my child. So the Bible speaks about all sorts of um, 
aspects of knowledge and all sorts of authorities uh, that are, are in our lives. What we mean when we say sola scriptura is not that the Bible is our only authority, but that the Bible is our only final authority. The Bible is our only ultimate authority. Every other authority that we have in our life is provisional. There's an authority that's there, but it's limited, it's bounded, it's, it's able to be appealed. So I'm commanded, Romans 13, to obey the governing authorities, but uh, there are all sorts of situations uh, in the Bible itself where if I obey those authorities, I'm in sin because the governing authorities don't have the power to require me to do that. So Daniel, uh, when he is told to bow down to an idol of King Nebuchadnezzar, is, is not able to simply say, well, Nebuchadnezzar says to do it. He's the ruler, and so that means that I have to do it. He says, no, 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 I can't do that. That authority, the authority that you have is bounded. And how does Daniel know not to do that? Well, it's from the revelation of God. He appeals Nebuchadnezzar's command to the word of God, and the word of God tells him, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall have no graven images uh, before me. And so that authority is, is limited. It can be appealed. If I'm a child, I obey my parents. I honor my parents. But if my parents come in and, and say, you are going to have to do the following things that are, are sinful, then th- that authority has to be appealed to the more ultimate authority of the Word of God. The, the, the issue is not whether or not the Bible is the only authority in my life. The question is, where do I go to appeal when the authorities that are in my life are in conflict? But what's the Supreme Court that I go to when I have conflicting court opinions uh, in my life? So if, if I'm trying to get in the car and to drive from Nashville, Tennessee to Chicago, I'm going to pull my phone out, but I'm not going to go to my Bible app and say, let me use the concordance search function here to try to find out the, the best way to get to Chicago. I'm going to pull out my, my GPS mapping app and put in the address that I want to go to and to follow that. Well, why do I follow it? It's because that particular mapping app has proven to be mostly trustworthy. I've used it enough that out of experience, I know usually it's going to get me to the right place. It's not infallible. If if my map comes up and tells me there never has been a city of Jerusalem or that uh, Nazareth has never existed, that there's just an ocean there, uh, then even if I've never been to Jerusalem, even if I've never been to Nazareth, I know that is not true because there's a superior authority, and that is the authority of the Word of God. There, there are all sorts of things that the Bible doesn't speak to. Scientists can teach me many things about the mysteries of the universe. Bible doesn't tell us about space-time relativity. Bible doesn't tell us about black holes. Bible doesn't tell us about genetic mapping. Bible doesn't tell us about antibiotics. All sorts of things that, that science tells me that the Bible does not speak to directly. On the other hand, 
if the same scientists come in and say, well, human beings are really just selfish genes attempting to uh, perpetuate the species in an amoral universe. There is nothing to a human being other than the body. And when the body dies and the, the physical brain dies, that is the end of that uh, individual's existence. There's nothing beyond that. Well, the Bible tells me otherwise. So I, I don't then turn around and say, well, the Bible is being judged by what we know from science, that human beings are all just material. He said, no, no, the Bible teaches me that human beings also are spiritual. Bible teaches me that human beings will be bodily raised from the dead. So I'm correcting the science by the Bible, not correcting the Bible by the science. Now, you have to be really clear here on what the Bible speaks to and what the Bible doesn't speak to. So there are going to be all sorts of things that the Bible uses a metaphor about. The, the earth is on foundations. What does, the, what does the scripture mean by that? Well, the scripture means that the, the earth is sturdy, that, we, that our dwelling place is, is firm. And so it's comparing the firmness and the predictability of the world that we live in to the faithfulness of, of God. We don't conclude from that, well, that means that we live on a flat earth that's built on some sort of concrete foundations. We recognize that the Bible is using a figure of speech to be able to describe the sturdiness of the universe. Sometimes those things are really clear. When the Bible talks about the sun rising and sun setting, we, we know that uh, the sun doesn't literally rise and the sun doesn't literally set because the, the earth is not orbited by the sun. The, the earth is orbiting the sun. That's the way, though, that we experience it. And so the Bible's able to use these uh, figures of speech in a way that we can understand. We've got to make sure that when we are saying, well, the Bible as an authority, is overriding or trumping this particular claim, whatever it is, we have to be sure that the Bible is actually speaking to those things. But where the Bible does speak, the Bible is the ultimate and final authority that judges everything else. Well, how do we know? We know because Jesus tells us so. Jesus honors the authority of his parents, Luke 2 tells us, and yet Jesus is willing to defy the authority of his parents uh, when, when it is pleasing to God to do so. Jesus goes back to the temple, and when his parents come to get him as a 12-year-old, Jesus says, did you not know that I would be about my father's business? Mary uh, comes to Jesus in uh, John chapter 2 and says, we need you to help with this wedding. And Jesus' initial response to her anyway is, well, my time has not come. My, my hour is not yet come. There's, there's a limit to the authority that's, that's there. Jesus recognizes the authority of the religious leaders. He says they sit on Moses' seat. So do what they tell you, but don't do what they do. But Jesus is willing to defy those authorities. I mean, most of the gospels, or most of the gospels tell us about Jesus defying the religious authorities right up until his crucifixion. He is willing to give the coin to Caesar and to obey 
Caesar in the places where Caesar has legitimate authority, but he refuses to give Pilate the answers that, that he's demanding when he's being commanded because that, that authority is bounded, that authority is limited. But Jesus treats the authority of Scripture very differently. He, he treats it as the Word of God itself. So he will say, not just David said, but David in the Spirit said. He will, he will say, not just the prophets say, but God says when he's quoting and referencing Scripture. Even when uh, some people will say, well, Jesus contradicts the Bible when he gets up and does a Sermon on the Mount because he says, Moses tells you, but I say to you, Jesus doesn't contradict the Bible. Jesus tells you specifically, you might think that that's what I'm doing, but I'm telling you that I, I have not come to destroy the law, but to establish it and to fulfill it and not a jot or a tittle of the word of God will pass away. And so Jesus here is saying, what I'm teaching you is an intensification of what the scripture has taught you. I'm, I'm teaching you how God's demands on your life are deeper than what you even know. So when uh, the Bible says, don't commit adultery, that, that's not just talking about your external actions, that's also talking about the attitude of the heart. When the Bible says, don't commit murder, it's not just talking about the physical act of murder, but also addresses the root of that in a murderous spirit in, in the heart. When Jesus takes food as he's passing through a field in order to eat on the Sabbath, and he's being charged with working on the Sabbath. Jesus' response is not to say, eh, Moses told you that, and who's Moses? No, his response is to say, well, remember when David went in and ate the the showbread. Uh, So obviously, this is not a situation where God has designed human beings for the Sabbath, God designed the Sabbath for human beings. He points them back to the Bible and how uh, the Bible is is teaching and establishing the very things that he's talking about. Paul does the same thing. When Paul's taking the gospel uh, outward after his conversion on the Damascus Road, uh, Paul's willing to defy authorities. He will obey the governing authorities and then then say, but there's a limit to what I'm going to, to obey. I'm not going to stop preaching. I'm not going to deny Christ. Paul is even willing to defy the authority of another apostle, Galatians 2. He he withstands Peter to his face because he's not walking in step with the gospel. So So Paul's willing to buck authority. But what does Paul do with the gospel when he's explaining this doctrine that seems really odd and really uh, strange to uh, especially to Jewish people, you know, justified by faith. Uh, the law has been fulfilled in Christ. Circumcision is not necessary for salvation. Gentiles are being brought in as, as equal with Jews within the people of God. What Paul does not do is to come in and say, yes, I'm correcting the Old Testament. Paul is showing you from the Old Testament how all of this makes sense. Abraham was justified before he was circumcised. The scripture shows you that the law itself cannot accomplish 
uh, what, what we need in order to be in communion with God because you have to have this perpetual priesthood that keeps offering these sacrifices year after year after year. Uh, Book of Hebrews is teaching us that, not, not Paul, but the point is the same. It's not a repudiation of the Bible. It is speaking to the authority of the Bible and why? Because the Bible is the voice of Jesus himself. That's why Peter is able to say, the, the spirit of Christ working within the scripture. So the Bible is the ultimate authority that we have. Now, what does God do with the Bible? Well, he shepherds his sheep. My sheep hear my voice and they follow me, Jesus says. He, he brings the church into line persistently with the word of God. That's what he does is to keep the church anchored to the word of God. Now, Does that mean that we're always going to interpret the Bible easily? No. For one thing, we have to read the Bible the way Jesus and his apostles taught us to, all together as a a revelation of Christ. So if you, for instance, say, well, at our vacation Bible school this year, we're going to sacrifice lambs because Exodus tells us to. No, no, no. You have to interpret Exodus in light of the whole, including the book of Hebrews that tells you the sacrificial system is over. And if you try to go back to that, you're repudiating the gospel. If somebody says, you know what, I just want to have a bunch of sexual partners. And it seems to me that the Bible lets me do that because of all of these concubines of Solomon. You have to read the description of what's happening with Solomon in light of God's ultimate taking down of Solomon, but also in light of God's original creation purpose in Genesis chapter 2, creation of one male and one female that Jesus teaches us in uh, the Gospels about why it has been so from the very beginning. You have to interpret that in terms of Ephesians chapter 5, what marriage is. So when we're saying that the Bible is our ultimate authority, we mean each verse is an authority and every verse together, the, the, the Bible as a coherent whole. We interpret the individual verses in light of the whole. That's why we think about the Reformation. That's why it is really important for all of the people of God to have the Bible because our ultimate authority is not a priesthood. Our ultimate authority is not a magisterium. Our ultimate authority is not a church. Jesus tells us in the book of Revelation that while the church itself will survive even the gates of hell, that doesn't mean any particular church is is going to survive. So Jesus can speak to these churches and say, you can have the lampstand of Christ's presence taken away from you if you abandon the gospel, if you abandon your first love, if you persist in in rebellion against God or, or, or whatever's going on. The religious leaders can fail. The magisterium can fail. The institutional structure of the church can fail. Rulers and charismatic leaders can all fail. But what stands forever is the word of God which is why the Bible commends the Bereans when they hear the the word that is coming from the apostles, that they search the scriptures to see if these things are true. That's treated as commendable in the book of Acts, Acts 17. And 
also when the Apostle Paul is talking about the false teachers. He's talking about those who are coming into the church with a different gospel. What does he counter it with? Well, 2 Timothy 3 and 4, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. That's, that's not just the case for those who have the office of pastor. That's also the case that the whole people of God need to have the Bible so that they can recognize when they have pastors or teachers who are teaching something else, so that they can recognize when they have rulers who are commanding something else, so they can recognize when they have a culture that's conforming them to something else. We have the Bible, and the Bible is the ultimate authority that we have. It doesn't, it doesn't answer every question. I can give you biblical mandates in terms of what it means to be a godly mother or godly father, what it means not to exasperate your children and to raise them in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. What I can't do is to say, therefore, you are to allow only two hours of video game time in your, in your house. I don't have the authority to do that. Bible doesn't speak directly to that. Bible speaks to what you ought to be doing as a parent the kind of parent you ought to be, and you can say, well, on the basis of that, here are the particular boundaries that we're going to put in our home, but I can't bind your conscience on that because the Bible is the ultimate authority. I'm not. A confession of faith is not. A law is not. A, a cultural sort of decision is not. Ultimately, we judge everything by the Word of God, which means that the sole final authority with the power to judge and override every other competing authority, including our own feelings, including our own cognition, is the Word of God, and that's enough. This is Russell Moore, and you're listening to Signposts. Every day, CT testifies to the reality that Jesus is alive, transforming his world and bringing his kingdom to bear. Jesus transforms, CT equips. Make a gift to our nonprofit ministry with a gift of $20 to provide 150 more people with redemptive storytelling, global perspective, and thoughtful podcasts. Give now at morect.com equip.